Hello and welcome to The Dad Whisperer. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson, and I guess by now I could probably quiz you and ask you what my motto is here. Yes, it's to help dads become what? Heroes, especially when it comes to the dad-daughter relationship. And what dad doesn't want to be a hero to his kids, right? And just like every action hero that you ever had as a kid, you know, whether it was Batman or Superman, Captain America, maybe the Hulk, the only reason you liked that hero is because he took action. So today, as always, I love bringing you relevant topics that support you as a dad of a daughter, even if you're a dad to a son, when it comes to knowing how to invest more specifically into their hearts so that you are an action hero in their lives. And yes, I know I focus on the dad-daughter relationship, but dads tell me all the time, you know, Dr. Michelle, this stuff applies to my sons too. And I'm like, right, because you're learning how to engage relationally, emotionally, mentally, physically, in all those ways to build and support a healthy dad-child relationship. Well, you know the template by now, but if you're just new to listening, the template every week is on your mark, get set, go. So envision yourself standing side by side each other, ready to run your fathering race this week. And I'm standing there as your coach on the sidelines, giving you pointers so that you can run fast and reach your goal. On your mark is the topic. Get set is where I fill that topic or that theme in with stories, with stats to make it more relevant and understandable and relatable and practical. And then the go step is one way to put that theme or that topic into action this week. Well, I know that lately on the Dad Whisperer, I have been covering a lot of what I would call heavy topics. So today, I've decided to lighten things up a little bit. And even though we're going to have some fun, you can rest assured that I'm still calling you as dads to what? Action. Well, the get set part, I'm going to put before I do the on your mark part, okay? I'm not going to tell you the title quite yet. So as we all know, in any profession, there are brilliant and skilled doctors, right? That's who we go to, those that have expertise and know-how in very specific areas, right? We go to this doctor for one thing and that doctor for another thing. It's, it's not like back in the day, you know, where you would go to one doctor, right, in the town and he was a specialist or a jack of all trades and everything. But not unlike doctors in the medical, dental, or psychological professions who bring their best to their patients, there's actually another doctor who I think all of us grew up with. Someone our parents turned to time and again. Nope, I'm not talking about Dr. Spock. Okay, literally. I mean, this is funny. My mom read that book when I was a kid. I was born in 1960. That was the go-to book on how to be a parent. There was like one book. Nope, that's not the doctor I'm talking about. Guess who I'm going to be talking about today? Dr. Seuss. Now, when we hear the name Dr. Seuss, it's like that name has a built-in authoritative respect, doesn't it? Like Dr. Seuss. I mean, Theodore Seuss Geisel, that's his name, right? A pseudonym was Dr. Seuss. He was brilliant because that was, I believe, at an unconscious level, giving him more credibility because he was the doctor, right? I mean, really, it's genius. So let me ask you, did you grow up reading Dr. Seuss books like I did? Okay, I imagine we all have read them, whether it was Green Eggs and Ham. You remember that one? I do not like Green Eggs and Ham. I do not like them, Sam I Am. 
or the cat in the hat. I mean, we could we could sit here and rattle off the books, couldn't we, that we've read. I actually looked online and found that over 500 million of his books have sold. And he's the ninth best-selling fiction author of all time. Okay, so no doubt we've all read Dr. Seuss books. Even in preparing for this show... I went online and just Googled some of the names of his books, and there are a ton of videos where people are actually reading them and showing pictures to go with them. It was kind of fun. It was like letting our inner child have a little time to play, or I guess I should say I'm inviting you to do that today. I know. I'm sounding all psychologist-y, psychobabbly, aren't I, to say your inner child. But really, the truth is that all of us are a combination of all our experiences, and even as adults... We get to play. We get to have fun just like we maybe did or missed out on when we were a kid and it's never too late. So as I set the stage for today's show, I thought I would just start by sharing a couple wise quotes from the good old doctor, Dr. Seuss, and these actually might be worth sharing with your daughter. You could even share them with your son. Here's one. This is, I love this one. Today you are you. That is truer than true. There's no one alive who is youer than you. Okay, come on. Isn't that awesome? Okay, here's another one I found that I love. The more that you read, the more things you'll know. The more that you learn, the more places you'll go. Ooh, those are some good truths, aren't aren't they? I think this is why this guy was such a genius, because he could take concepts and pare them down into really simple, relatable kind of doses so that we could all swallow them and take them in. So today, I thought it would be fun to take one of Dr. Seuss's books and use it as a foundation or a template for understanding fathering in a deeper way. Okay, so here's now to the on your mark part. Here's what I'm calling today's show. Dr. Seuss weighs in on fathering. Dr. Seuss weighs in on fathering. So I love the fact that in some of Dr. Seuss's well-known children's book, he actually addresses the relationships between parents and kids. A lot of times he talks about moms... Like in The Cat in the Hat, it's the mother that leaves the kids alone and comes back at the end of the day. He even wrote another book called Are You My Mother, right? I sure would love to know more about Theodore's relationships with his parents, wouldn't you? Well, most of us, well, actually, I mean me, um, perhaps never really thought about this like this until now. But I think that Dr. Seuss could probably enlighten us on a thing or two when it comes to the father daughter dynamic because he is the most infamous children's doctor, I guess you could say, of all time, right? Well, of course, the beauty of a childhood story is that we don't tend to read it as having all that much deep meaning, other than it having great pictures or fun words, often that rhyme. But being that I'm a shrink at all, I do have a curious desire to ponder what subtle undertones might be conveyed in this Dr. Seuss classic, Hop on Pop. Yes, that is our book that we're going to look at today, or a portion of it, I should say, Hop on Pop. We all know the pop is the dad. Hmm, who would have ever thought that book could provide some information and practical relevant information when it comes to fathering? Well, before you think I've lost a screw here to be using Hop on Pop as a reference point for fathering, stay with me. Because remember, I told you that today I want to lighten things up a bit and perhaps even have some fun laughter while wading into these fathering waters. Are you with me? Well, let's review what Dr. Seuss says in his book, Hop on Pop. Here's the part I want to focus on. Here's what he says in the middle of it. Sad, dad, bad, had. 
Dad is sad. Very, very sad. He had a bad day. What a day Dad had. Hop, pop. We like to hop. We like to hop on top of pop. Stop. Okay, now at this point in the book, Pop is finally sitting there with a stern, angry look on his face while these two bewildered children just sit there stunned as now their dad says, or they've interpreted his body language, and this is what comes next. You must not hop on Pop. Okay, so after this section in the book, we don't hear about good old Pop again until the very end, which really has me a bit confused. I'm just going to be honest because it's actually called Hop on Pop, and there's not a lot of that theme in the book. But here's what Dr. Seuss says then later in the book. Father, mother, sister, brother. That one is my other brother. My brothers read a little bit like words like if and it. My father can read big words too, like Constantinople and Timbuktu. Okay, well, I don't know about you, but for me, I found it nice to know that the father in this story ended by being intelligent and capable. He's shown to be smart and competent. I like books or movies or even television shows that show men in this light, don't you? So good job, Dr. Seuss, for that. So now the question that I pose to you is this. What has Dr. Seuss taught us about fathering in this book, and could there be any life lessons tucked into these few short pages. Well, let me take the liberty to highlight a few things that I've gleaned from Hop on Pop that I believe are worth noting here. Then, after I read each of my observations, I'm going to take it a step further and translate them into things that I believe will give you practical and let's call them deep insights into fathering as taught by our favorite doctor. Number one, dad has emotion. Okay, the words were sad, dad, bad, had. Dad is sad. Okay, so here's the deal. When it comes to the dad-daughter relationship, we daughters are very dialed in, dad, to your emotions and your moods. It's healthy for daughters to hear that you as men have real emotions. In other words, you don't have to be all tough where you always are like, I'm fine, there's nothing wrong. Because the truth is, she's learning habits from you. Model to your kids that real men have real emotions. I'll be honest, I don't have many men come to me for counseling and admit that they are sad. Typically, they reveal things that they're angry about. But once we start peeling back the layers of their stories, the sad is often right there underneath the mad. So having been a counselor for 20 years now, leader of the ABBA Project, which is for dads of daughters for over eight years, I can say that I don't usually hear dads tell me that they are comfortable having their sad emotions seen. And I think that a lot of men view those emotions as weak. I mean, men tell me stories all the time of even where their dads told them that they were being a sissy or a girl or weak if they cried, leading many men to internalize a belief that tears or sadness aren't manly or good. So this whole thing about dads having sad emotions opened up rich conversations with men this week because I asked dads in the ABBA Project and men on Facebook to weigh in on this issue. And here are the two questions I asked them. Do you allow yourself to feel sadness as much as madness, meaning anger? Number two, what do you believe keeps you from being in touch with 
or expressing sad emotions as compared to the angry ones. Oh my goodness, their responses were so profound. Here are some of them I heard. Paul said, guys are hardwired to go to anger, not the sadness. Sadness represents weakness. I've felt more sadness since starting the class, the ABBA project, but it's a relief to let it go. Lloyd said, I would say I feel anger much more than sadness. In my experience, emotions and experiences with sad emotions are put through internal filtering where they are vocalized as anger as a self-defense mechanism. Whoa, these articulate men are really profound, aren't they? But I wrote back to Lloyd and said, well, I guess the other question is, how do we encourage men to be honest about sad emotions rather than just normalizing angry expressions as a way for men to release intensity, right? There's the, there's the conversation that we want to be having. Jim said, I think for me, I tend to feel anger more than sadness. So you see the theme over and over men are saying, yep, there's the reality. He said, for me, it seems like being sad doesn't take notice as much as being angry does. If I'm angry, then people will respond more with wanting to help. Here's what Tom said. I think most men are misperceived as being angry when they're really sad. Hmm. Insightful, right? He said, sadness for some men manifests as anger sometimes, which by the way, I agree with due to the fact that they don't know how to express sadness, but they can and do know how to express anger. Personally, he said, my anger is directed toward myself when I feel sadness that I have failed as a father or a husband. Aren't these wise, insightful comments by these men? Let me keep going. Here's what Jose said. When I'm mad or angry, it is more a manifestation of fear being expressed in an unhealthy way. Yes, I agree. Again, other emotions come out through a funnel of anger. He went on to say, after my outburst, sadness comes on me pretty quickly, which is displayed through tears. Here's what Mike said. Anger generally comes first and then sadness later. When I found out my daughter had suffered a serious concussion from cheerleading, I was angry. Angry at the coach and teammates who didn't stop her from cheering after a blow to the head. It took weeks for me to move past the anger to sadness and sympathy for how she must have been feeling. Number two, this is what Mike said. I grew up as an only child in a single parent situation and we were very poor. I was forced to be tough and to not show my emotions most of the time. Now as an adult, he said, when my kids are going through a tough time, it's all filtered through the stuff I had to deal with. And it's a real struggle for me to be sympathetic, sad, and really feel their pain. He went on to say, my flawed thinking is, and I quote, I went through tough times and survived. You should be able to do the same. Mm, how often is that what men are saying to their kids? You didn't have it nearly as hard as I did, so buck up, right? That's what often comes, especially with dads to daughters. And you've got to remember, dads, your daughters need soft responses, empathic responses in order to thrive. My friend Mark Allen Shelsky was on the program a while ago, and he's author of a book called The Wisdom of Your Heart, subtitle, Discovering the God-Given Purpose and Power of Your Emotions. This is an awesome book. He weighed in on Facebook where we were having this conversation. Here's what he says. Anger is easy to feel. It's powerful. It feels like, quote, doing something about the problem. It's also socially acceptable for men to express stern options with force. So anger, he said, 
easy, but sadness is harder. It feels doubly painful, painful for the sadness and painful that there's nothing to do to fix the problem. Learning how to feel sadness and becoming okay with it has been a big part of my own journey to growth. I love that. I wrote back to Mark and said, can you give any tidbits of wisdom for men that are going to be listening to this on how to start to admit sadness, right? Because it's a harder emotion to get in touch with. Here's what he said. I think one of the bravest things a man can do is just sit with his sadness or the sadness of his loved ones. Just sit with it. Don't try to fix it. Don't try to cheer up. Just be with It's really hard for guys who are used to being problem solvers, but with practice comes skill. So good. So good. Okay. So there's the end of that first point. One, dad has emotion as we see in Hop on Pop. Number two, dad doesn't hide his sad emotions from his kids, especially his very, very sad ones. So the book says, dad is very, very sad. He had a bad day. What a day dad had. Hmm. So what I take from that is that it's okay, dads, to be real and let your kids see your sad emotions and your happy ones. Let me tell you about Angie. And Angie's given me permission to share this. This is what she wrote when she was 28 years old, looking back on her dad and how his emotions have impacted her. She said, my dad has never been very good at expressing himself, so he has always let things bottle up until they reach a boiling point. He can go from a three to a 10 very fast. She said, I've talked to my counselor about his way of reacting to things that bother him as, quote, his stuff, but she said, I still feel like I am subconsciously always avoiding this explosion, walking on eggshells. This can lead me to be passive-aggressive, not only to him, but also towards my mom, who also gets some of the blame for letting dad be the way he is. She went on to say, but then I take it out on myself through my eating disorder. She went on to say, I've always felt the heaviness of my dad's depression too, which can be just as bad as his explosions and probably more common. Now listen to what she said next. This is so profound. I can smell it in the air and I feel it deep inside me. As much as my dad and I have not connected and understood each other, I have been deeply connected to what she calls his emotional aura for as far back as I can remember. She said, there's never been an invitation to get to know my dad more. I never know what his opinion is unless it's negative or what's wrong. Always being told in different ways that how I was reacting or responding in a situation was not right, and that was really hard on me. My emotions were never validated. I was just told that I was overreacting. Isn't that insightful? She's saying, I wish my dad would let me know about his very, very sad emotions or what was going on inside. So dads, I'm not trying to come down hard on you. I just want you to hear what daughters are saying and how you can grow in relating better to them because you're relating better to yourself and being honest about what's going on inside. So you've heard me share this practical idea before. If you're done with work, you're on your way home and you do a check-in on a zero to 10 scale, how intense am I feeling? Where's my stress level? If it's between like a seven and a 10, drive around the block a couple more times. Park the car down the street and walk around the block. That right-left hemisphere moving. It's called right-left as you walk. It's doing stuff in your brain to kind of titrate that intensity. That is a practical way to let your 
intense emotions out. Well, number three, dad lets his kids get close to him even when he's had a bad day. Here's what the book says. We like to hop on top of pop. So dads, we need you to let us physically connect with you on good and bad days so that we don't internalize it as something being wrong with us. So truth be told, we even need that safe touch. You've heard me talk about the importance of hugging before, right? Number four, these kids like to play with their dad. Book says hop, pop. We like to hop. We like to hop on top of pop. So we as girls, as your daughters, like it, dads, when you are approachable, even on your very bad days, because we care about you. We know that you have a limit to how much you can handle, which is understandable. We all do. But wouldn't it be great, dads, if you could ever tell us as your daughters even a little bit about what's going on so we don't assume it's us? That's what I hear a lot from counseling clients, from girls I've mentored. So here's an idea. Say, hi, honey. Like using a nickname is really softening that. And you can tell her, I had one of those days. I had a very, very bad day. Let's use Dr. Seuss language. And say, I want you to know it's nothing about you, but my margin is really small tonight. I don't really have a capacity to connect. But tomorrow night, I know you've wanted me to spend some time with you, whether it's homework or shooting baskets or whatever, or you could say that to your son. Tomorrow night, regardless of the day I've had, I am going to carve out time. Let's spend time from you know 7 to 8 tomorrow night after dinner or something like that. Okay, practical. Number five, dad allows his kids to use him as a jungle gym. Okay, maybe that's a new kind of play therapy, right? We like to hop on top of pop. Well, that whole physical interaction is so powerful. I mean, I read an article by Tyler Lang called Six Reasons You Should Rough House With Your Kids. It is powerful. It's saying that rough housing boosts your kids' resilience. Rough housing makes your kids smarter. Isn't that wild? They're saying neuroscientists have tested kids after interactive play with their fathers, and they have come up with these really profound statements about roughhousing. That physical interaction is powerful with daughters and with sons. Number three, roughhousing builds social intelligence. It teaches your kids morality because you're teaching them boundaries and an appropriate use of strength and power. Roughhousing gets your kids physically active. And roughhousing builds the father-child bond. Isn't that awesome? Great stories that we could tell of kids that have said, I got to play with my dad. Like I got to get physically close to him. That's what Hop on Pop teaches, doesn't it? Okay, number six. Dad has a limit on how much interaction with his kids a dad can handle when he's stressed. We read in the book the word STOP, all in capitals with an exclamation point. So we all have limits. It's good to model to your kids that you can say yes and no, and set a boundary, but we'd prefer that you not scream and shout at us when you've reached that max capacity. Sound good? And number seven, this is my last step. The book shows that dad is smart and understands complex words and concepts. Here's what the book says, hop on pop. My father can read big words too, like Constantinople and Timbuktu. We really do like the fact that you dads are smart and can decode big words and concepts. We love it when you educate us on things that you understand and know. And even if you can't solve all of the world's problems, for some reason we like to believe you can. So there you have it. A few thoughts about fathers that I, as a daughter, as a woman, am saying are worth underscoring about the father-daughter relationship. So now let's end with your go step. Why not choose one of the things that I've just talked about and make it happen today with your daughter? Show vulnerable emotions, your softer side of emotion, like sad. Hug her even if you've had a bad day. 
Don't push her away just because you're maxed out. Go give her a quick hug and go deal with your own stuff. Find a way that you can express it, right? Get it out so that you can come back to her, even your son, with warmth and kindness. Okay, here's another idea. Lovingly, not abruptly, communicate when you've had enough or are maxed. You know, don't wait till you're at an eight. Address it at a four. You're going to have a lot better outcome in what you say. Another idea might be to set healthy boundaries with her by modeling what that looks like, right? Where you can say yes and no and teach her something new so that you both can grow smarter together. Do something together. Agree on it. Talk about it. What could we learn to do together? Do an activity, rock wall climbing or taking a hike or preparing for a big hike, a whole overnight weekend hike, you know, where you're doing something that takes planning, do it together with her or learn a new language. Why not that? Learn Spanish together or learn Greek together. Do something together that involves your brains. It's a great way to connect with your kids. Well, I guess we could say thanks, Dr. Seuss, for teaching us a thing or two about kids, big kids, little kids, all of us alike with your vast base of knowledge. We're deeply indebted to you and are ready now to hop into action. Well, on your mark today has been Dr. Seuss weighs in on fathering. Get set. I've give you, given you lots of stories and research to back that up. So between today and next Monday, I encourage you to take one of the steps today that I've talked about and put it into action. You can always go to my website at drmichellewatson.com and find free resources, a link to my book, Dad, Here's What I Really Need From You, a guide for connecting with your daughter's hearts. Well, Dad, get out there today intentionally and consistently invest in pursuing your daughter's heart. Go dads.